Let's read from Second Peter chapter 3, verses 11 to 14. Second Peter 3, verse 11. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn? But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him without spot or blemish and at peace. In the last section of his letter, Peter reminded believers that the day of the Lord was coming. And he told them that on that day, the heavens will pass away with a roar and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. As for this earth, its works would be exposed. And the exposing of earth's works, of course, would bring about great judgment. And all of our great advances will come to nothing. And we'll stand naked before a holy and all-powerful God. Now that reality demands a response. And so Peter challenges his readers with a very important question in verse 11. And this is the question he asks. Since all of these things are thus to be dissolved, heaven and earth to be dissolved by fire, what sort of people ought you to be? Since heaven and earth will be dissolved, where does that leave us? We have this information well ahead of time, but what are we going to do about it? There's nothing we can do to stop the destruction of the heavens and the earth, but all we can do is determine what our response is going to be to this coming reality. And to help us reflect on that, Peter asks us this very important question and points us to some things that we ought to consider. And so let's take a moment here in this section of Second Peter to examine what Peter tells us about preparing for that day of destruction when God will dissolve both heaven and earth. Now notice how Peter frames this question that he asks his readers. What sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness? Now consider this for a moment. The heavens will be destroyed. Planets and stars as we know them will be no more. The earth as part of that destruction, according to Peter, will also be destroyed, and we will stand before God to be judged. Now there's nothing in the skies and nothing on the earth that we will be able to depend on in that day. Wealth and possessions will vanish with the earth, and our technology will be no more. Our everlasting soul and spirit will stand before God, and we will be called to give an answer and an accounting to him. How does that understanding, how does the understanding of that indisputable fact affect your life and mine? 
Now we might say it doesn't really affect my life because that's at a distance away yet. Well, we don't know exactly when that time of the Lord will come. But the fact of the matter is, whether it's soon or far away, each one of us will nonetheless stand before God. And Peter challenges us to answer the question, what kind of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness in light of the fact that the day of the Lord is coming? Knowing that this world will one day come to an end and we will stand before a holy God, ought to make us examine our lives. Do we live lives of holiness and godliness? Now, I'm, I'm not just talking here about coming to know the Lord as our Savior and assuring our, our forgiveness. That's a foundational point that we need to underline for sure. And if you've never accepted the work of the Lord Jesus on, on your behalf, you need to do so right now. He offers forgiveness and pardon. And without this pardon, we are eternally lost and without hope. But understand here that Peter is writing to believers who have already come to that point. And he's challenging them to also to live lives of holiness and godliness. You see, for the believer, it's true that their salvation is secure in the work of Jesus Christ on their behalf. But how will we live our lives as his children, especially knowing that this world is going to be dissolved and that we are going to be giving an account of God for our lives? Will we spend our life investing in a sinking ship? Will the center of our focus be on what is going to be dissolved and disappear? Will we, we will, will we neglect what is eternal for this uh, earth and its bleak future? Or will we store up treasures in heaven? Will we devote everything we have to, to what will last forever? Or will we sacrifice what cannot last for what cannot perish? Will you choose God? And his eternal purpose, or will you sacrifice those five minutes of pleasure for eternal happiness? Peter tells us that those who understand that heavens and earth will pass away ought to choose to live lives of holiness and godliness. This is not just because we'll give an account of our lives, but it's also because it's what makes sense. Who in their right mind would invest in a losing venture? Those who understand the temporary nature of this earth as we know it will wisely choose to invest in something more secure. They will devote their lives to what will last and endure for eternity. In verse 12, Peter goes on to tell us what our second response ought to be to the coming judgment. Verse 12 says this, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Those who belong to Jesus and know the truth of the coming judgment will wait for that day, says Peter. Now this waiting is a waiting of preparedness. In other words, those who belong to Jesus will be ready for his coming. They will live in a state of readiness. 
But this waiting is also a waiting of anticipation. In other words, they know that this day will bring not only the judgment of the earth, but the coming of the physical kingdom of God. And there is great anticipation in this waiting for, for it will bring us into the very physical presence of Jesus and his eternal reign. Notice here that not only ought the knowledge of the coming judgment cause us to prepare and look forward in anticipation, but Peter tells us something else we ought to do in the words, hastening the coming of the day of the Lord. The believer, according to Peter, is to hasten the coming of the day of the Lord. Now consider what he tells us in Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, where he says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Why is the return of the Lord delayed, according to Peter? It's delayed until the final sheep enters the fold. And how are we to hasten the coming of the Lord? By sharing the hope of Jesus Christ with that last sheep. And the desire of the believer is to hasten the coming of the Lord. And, 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 it's, and the reason has to do with a number of things. First, it has to do with their desire to see the Lord. This is the heart cry of every believer, to see Jesus and to be with him. But secondly, we want to hasten the day so that we can be free from sin and its burden. Sin has devastated this world and everything we know. But the day is coming when there will be no more sickness, no more struggling, no more suffering, no more sin. We'll be freed from sin and its consequences. And what a glorious day that will be. And we want to hasten that day of coming. But thirdly, the, 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 this judgment of God on this earth will will bring glory to the name of, of Christ and issue in his kingdom over which sin will have no more dominion. And the passion of the true believer is to see sin and Satan truly and finally defeated. It is the deepest desire of the believer to live under the uncontested reign of Christ. It is therefore the desire of every true believer to hasten the reign of Christ on this earth, as Peter put it this way, Peter puts it this way in verse 13, but according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Next, knowing what is to come, Peter calls his listeners to be diligent and to be found in him without spot or or blemish and at peace. Let's consider this for a moment. First, those who eagerly wait for the coming of the Lord Jesus must be found in him. They are to be diligent to be found in him. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found in him. The idea here is that they are or we are the children of Christ. We have been covered by his blood and, and forgiveness. We have his protection.
protection and righteousness covering us. And if we are not in him, we do not belong to him. Every true believer has been changed and forgiven. And the question of whether you or I are in him is of utmost importance. Are we assured of his forgiveness? Are we assured of his salvation? Do you know that it is only Jesus and what he has done that will count. Only as we are hidden in him and covered by him is our assurance a reality for us. The Bible tells us that on that day, many will run to the hills and call it for the stones to fall on them in terror at the presence of Christ. Don't be among those people. Ask God for the assurance of your salvation. Ask him to for forgiveness and new birth and be found in him, covered and protected in him. Next, Peter tells those who wait for the coming of the Lord to be diligent, to be without spot or blemish. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be without spot or blemish. Now, this brings us back to lives of holiness and godliness. And part of the life of holiness and godliness has to do with dealing with any known sin. It's often been a source of grief to me to see people who who never seem to overcome the sins of their flesh. They excuse their disagreeableness by by saying it's their personality. They excuse their, their sin by saying they're only human. But scripture challenges us to live above our humanness. We know the presence of the Spirit of God in our lives and have no excuse for our disagreeable personalities. We've been over, we've overcome, we're called to overcome sin, attitudes, and worldliness. And in Christ, we have all that we need to live in victory. We have no, no excuse to stand before Him stained and blemished by sin. Now, it's true that all our sins are covered by the blood of Christ, but we do not need to live defeated lives by forgiven sin. We are called to walk in victory. We're called to be cleansed and healed of those blemishes. Not one of us, I know, will stand before Christ without failure, but we are called to live and to seek victory each and every day until he comes. We are called to be a people who present ourselves before him as those who have lived in victory without spot or blemish because we have overcome in the name of Jesus Christ and in the power of the Spirit in us. Now, lastly, Peter calls us to be diligent, to be at peace. Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these be diligent to be one found in him, two without spot or blemish, and three at peace. This peace relates to our relationship with God, but also to our relationship with our brothers and sisters. Don't stand before God on that final day with unforgiveness in your heart. Don't let that broken relationship stand between you and the Lord. Be diligent and strive for peace. Leave your gift at the altar and be reconciled with your brother or sister. Don't let the shame of this defile that encounter 
with Jesus Christ. So Peter tells us that the day of the Lord is coming. And on that day, the earth and the heavens as we know them will be dissolved with fire. Peter tells us that while this would generally be bad news for the believer, there's hope. But as that day approaches, we need to be preparing ourselves. We, we do this by learning to walk in holiness and godliness. We wait with anticipation and even hasten the day with our, by our faithful service. We diligently commit ourselves to assure that we are in Christ. We determine to live in victory over our sins as we wait. And we seek with all our heart not to let any broken relationship with a brother or sister stand between me and God. Now that day will be a spectacular day. It'll be a day of terror for the ungodly. It'll be a day of joy for the believer, but for some... It will be a day of shame because they have not prepared themselves. And so may God give to us the grace to be prepared for that glorious and spectacular day.